Right, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, the podcast about nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. I'm your host, Matt Gardner. I'm a nutritional therapist by trade, and I hope this finds you well. This podcast is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. You can get 10% off their first order by using Matt10 at checkout. Everything you need in the show notes, the link's there. Uh, the people behind 33 Fuel are fantastic. I've had Warren and Erica on the show, uh, co-founders. So find that episode, have a look at their um, products and um, I hope you find something useful. Today, we're going to dig into how another performance nutritionist works. His name's Danny Weber. As always, we connected over Instagram. That's how usually I find a lot of my guests on the show. And I hope you find... The conversation with Danny useful. He's a sports nutritionist, like I said. Uh, he works in health and weight management as well, online nutrition coaching, and he's got an absolute banging roster of recipes on his site too. So we're very similar, scratch cooks, food first approach. We're talking coronation chicken, roasted butternut squash with beef chili, 10 minute high protein vegan pasta, protein cheesecake. I'll stop messing around. And let's get into the conversation with Danny. Danny, it's brilliant to have you on the show, mate. So how are you doing and, and where are you in this lockdown? Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Um, yeah, it's, it's going okay. I'm ready to go back to normality, though, to be honest. Um, it's basically just working from home. Uh, fortunate enough to be able to support everyone, um, all my clients and athletes remotely, which is really useful. Um, with technology nowadays but yeah it's it, I'm really eager to get back into the mix of things and start working face to face with with all my athletes um, yeah I've really enjoyed family time it's been really it's been really nice actually over the last two months or so but yeah I want to get back into back into swinging things as I'm sure you are yeah definitely man I think for a lot of people that you're probably working with it's that underlying stress that they might not have had before because of the uncertainty around you know their sport their competition like we're recording mid-may um full disclosure this is our second recording because i screwed up the first one <laughs> but um yeah mate it's um you know before we started recording you're discussing uh, a golfer you're working with and and your table tennis athletes obviously they they are at a certain distance so 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 they could play so it's interesting because you're you're still delivering your service. You're you're working with them, but then obviously their their uh, end goal or um you know their their periodized training plan has has kind of shifted. So, um it, it we're we're obviously quite relevant as as practitioners, but then again they're thinking actually you know my my kind of um performance nutrition um you know how relevant is it when I am sitting at home? So it's uh yeah it's a uh, it's it's a good place to be as a practitioner, but then it's also um, it's it's changed a lot of what we do, I think, as well, hasn't it, in the last month or so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for us, it's still doing every everything we can to support the athlete, but it's it's thinking of them as as we always do, as they are just people as well. Mm. So their careers are on hold. A lot of them are. Um, so it's putting that into perspective and making sure everything that we that we're doing as practitioners for their best interest and making sure that everything, like you say, with the periodized approach now, it's, it is shifting over to what their training looks like as it's completely different. Mm. Um, 
and it's put into that practical sense and how we can adapt that going forward because for a lot of the athletes it's still very much in the unknown yeah you're exactly right and I think it's you know health is wealth and I don't I don't think people talk about it enough in terms of sports nutrition you know obviously we're we're there we, you, you work you're entrenched in in sports nutrition more than me at the moment but you know, you look after the health of your athletes if they're professional amateur first, and then obviously the psychological side of things too. Um, food and and what we go through, some of your awesome recipes, it might it might kind of boost the reward system for them. They might be able to pick up some more practical skills, getting getting online with you and going through some cookery demos and stuff. So maybe if we just reverse back, because obviously we we know each other quite well now, but it'd be cool to to get to know why you got into. Uh, performance nutrition and supporting athletes and then later on we could maybe discuss some of the health and, and weight management side of what you do with, with you know general pop as well um so yeah yeah of course um yeah so it all first started for me um in university at uh the full john moores so did my undergraduate in sports science um and going through first second year still wasn't quite sure what it is which area of sports science I wanted to specialise in until I, until I took the nutrition module in um, second, third year. And from there, that's that just sold it to me. So I've always enjoyed playing sport um, and learning how to improve performance, but basically realising how you fuel the body implicates everything of how you, how you perform. Um, that's exactly what interest me the most so from there i undertook the masters at john moore's in sports physiology um as the sports nutrition masters weren't actually available at the time um which makes me feel a bit old um <laughs> but uh yeah so from that with uh, my supervisors it's like well what is my next step from there and it was just get your get your hands dirty get that experience so that's what I did. I went down to my local rugby club, um, made contacts and started doing some voluntary work. Um, and I think that's key really for, for anyone starting off wanting to be um, a practitioner in any um, discipline of sports science is don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Go down there, get experience with any level of club. Um, or any <laughs> level of athletes. Um, and from there, it was just built up my portfolio as much as I could. Um, it took a lot of voluntary work. And it, what I really enjoyed was the different sports and how nutrition could be implemented across those um, different uh, different sports in order to maximise performance and how it crossed over and what was specific to that individual physiological requirements. Um, and yeah, and, it, and it's, it's just built up from there. I've been very fortunate, uh, to be honest. And um, yeah, and nowadays, um, working self-employed. So as you mentioned, I work with um, a variety of athletes, um, which I absolutely love. And I think that's a massive factor of it is you need to really enjoy and be passionate about what you're doing. Um, and so it's working with um, those athletes, but I also want the everyday athlete, gym goer, first time marathon runner to 
understand that importance of performance nutrition as well as it does apply to them for everyday life so it's taking all my experience and knowledge from there to apply to them from a very holistic and nutrition lifestyle approach yeah fantastic and mate when you first started that background in physiology did you did you implement some of the things you learned in in your masters with uh, the rugby club or did you start some of the some of the biomarker testing in the university um, how, how, how did that kind of journey unfold because obviously it's um, it's slightly different I've had people on we've discussed food diary implementation like you said there volunteering at clubs it's all about kind of um, taking opportunities with two hands connecting with people and then obviously as as they see your um, you know your portfolio grow and and hopefully you get positive feedback body composition change performance increases you know it's it's going to snowball um, but from from the testing side I don't think I've explored that too much on the pod so it'd be cool to hear a little bit about that from uh, for the listeners around your your physiology training and some of the things that are measured in the lab and then maybe taken out and measured in the field yeah absolutely so so when I first started um, at Chester Rugby Club, it was taking what I first learned and what the, for, for us as practitioners then was like what the gold standard way of assessing energy intake was. It was through food diaries. Um, so I was thrown in the deep end by the director of rugby at the time. Um, he said, right, you want to work with these guys? Here you go, straight after training. There's 40, 45 rugby players. Go talk to them tell them about nutrition um and so for me it was the whole yeah this is what i want to do with you this is the importance of nutrition to analyze that out and to give you individual feedback i want you to all do a food diary um and then i went back down a week maybe two weeks later and out of those 40 45 players i had one food diary um, and so immediately that opened my eyes to the practicality of it and food diaries are a useful tool to a point but there's a lot of limitations to it so from there it was just a matter of building relationships um, with those players and they'll be honest a lot more honest and open with what they eat what they're trying to achieve and helping them identify the best way to achieve that because um, for the performance is the number one um, focus for them and how they can maximize that is they'll do anything so and like you say health particularly nowadays is do no harm that's the number one rule for any practitioner you don't advocate anything that's going to cause any um any any negative impact on their health mm. um and so with the the physiological testing side of things it's it's taking everything that you learn from your studies um into the practical world and you can test all sorts of things nowadays but and as good as they are not everything is essential to to actually measure um, and that's another thing is is still recognizing what the importance and relevance of the of them are um so with the the next step for me was uh, body composition analysis. So didn't again wasn't able to do that during my masters. So I went down to 
um, uh, St Mary's University um, and did my ISAT qualification there, um, which for me was a lot of money back then. Um, yeah. All self-funded, um, and it's, it was a big investment. Um, I think it set me back with obviously the expense of the equipment and everything. I think it set me back about seven hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. Um, as it was an overnight or weekend stay, so. Um, but it's paid off massively, um, and it's still a very useful tool that's used today. As you can do DEXA scans and everything like that, but that's not always available. Um, so it's yeah. So some of the other physiological testing that I um, try to do as well now, because um, I work with a lot of triathletes and endurance athletes. So sweat profiling is something that I do a lot more of now uh, with the body composition analysis, um, lactate testing, resting metabolic rate. Um, and it's, yeah, taking all that data and putting it into a practical recommendation of how that relates to the athlete's physiology, how they can fuel their training as well to maximise their performance. Yeah, sweat's an interesting one because obviously... It's so individual, isn't it, mate? I think for me, I'm, I must be up there top end in terms of um, I leak so much when I'm exercising, even in the winter and things. I think I get it from my mum. So you must have seen, you know, a, a variety of, of, you know, different individuals. Maybe maybe you implement the same kind of exercise test or whatever, but then you see, you see differences in sweat rates. So um, that can be a change, can't it? Because, you know, it, it influences individuals weight so thinking about power um perceived exertion and then obviously you can you can narrow in and personalize what what these guys and girls are obviously putting in their bottles because at the end of the day you know they're out there and they're going to have to deal with it on race day aren't they so they don't have you to be handing everything to them um all the time so do, do you do, is there quite a few light bulb moments with clients when you do that kind of you know that kind of assessment and um it, it's it seems you know, quite technical when you say it, but I think it's, um, yeah, it's just understand the basics of obviously how much people are kind of sweating generally, 30 minutes, an hour, something like that. And then you can start to look at um, the amount of fluid and then and then if you're adding any kind of carbohydrates or, or salt, is, is that kind of the process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's every time, well, not every time, but you, it's very often that there is a light bulb moment with, wow, okay, so that does, doesn't make sense. And then it's figuring out why that's happened. And it is just recognising that every athlete is different. Um, and in putting that into practical recommendations for how to maintain hydration strategies, uh, because there's so many variations of product available on the market now. It's finding what works for the athlete because they'll have used the, either just one product um, as they find it works for them. However, there may be others that are more suitable. Um, so the typical way of doing the sweat profiling um, is weigh them before, or after, before and after um, the protocol. So we typically put them on a treadmill or on a bike, um, and then I will uh, get them to exercise for half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Um, and I'll apply some patches just after a warm-up, so on the forearm, the chest, the back, um, and on the leg. And that little patch collects the sweat 
which is a, uh, which gloss through the skin and after they've exercised I'll extract extract that and then measure the sodium in a uh, little portable sodium analyzer and that helps me quantify just what their dips in total sweat rate is mm. from the amount of water they've lost but also the concentration of the, the salt so that way we can I can give practical recommendations of how much they need to drink and what they need to drink in order to maintain the hydration and it's, it's a really quite simple and effective means of doing it um, I guess one of the limitations is particularly with triathletes these guys tr- they'll compete all over the world um, and some of the temperatures that they can compete in are so much hotter than where you're going to get here so it's recognising how we can replicate that for when it comes to race conditions. Um, so it's it, and that I guess that's one of the things that's that's effective for it is how the body responds in different environmental temperatures. Yeah. And you know you're not always like you so said that, going to be able to travel and do those things, but it give it gives them a bit of a marker, and then obviously you can sit back with them and think, okay, you know the time of year, the duration of the exercise, how do you feel in terms of you know, when you're in a different season or you're, um, you know, in the summer compared to winter or if you're doing two hours to three hours compared to one hour and you can obviously take things from there, mate. So, um, no, it's interesting. And then obviously yeah, exactly. the practical side, do you, do you then, um, do you have certain products in mind? Do you take uh, athletes through kind of DIY, um, you know, uh, hy- hydration and, and kind of making their own, making their own sports drinks? I suppose, again, it comes down to individual preference, but... Um, it's that light bulb moment first around the water and the sodium, and then you speak to them about how you can start to to combine these together to actually um, support absorption and and you know maintenance of fluid levels. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, it's, it comes down to the individual. Um, so we've seen sweat rates anything from half a litre um, of fluid per hour up to two litres of sweat loss hour um sometimes even slightly higher than that with some very low some very high um losses of salt up to like two grams per hour which is which is mad yeah um and it's putting that what can they drink and obviously with the use of carbohydrate supplements as well in order to make sure they are fueling correctly um so a lot of the triathletes, they like the precision hydration stuff. You still there, mate? Effective because it comes in. Um, and then you've got the other considerations of drinks and you know, carbohydrate and yeah, carbohydrate drinks and gels and also foods as well for long haul events. So it's putting it all together in a strategy which they can then practice in training they can see how it works for them. They can train their gut to deal with that amount of intake, um, and then come race day, they're they're flying as well as you sh- as they should be. Yeah, that's a really important point to make, and I think it again gives gives people listening to this if they are active and they're taking their time out or they're training at home. I know that static bikes and things like that have been really important tools for people over the lockdown period. It's it's a chance, like you said, to to practice training the gut. And um, I think mixing uh, the combination of some of these sports products with some real food, because I think people are either, you know, one way or the other, they're like, I'm not touching this artificial rubbish or 
um, you know, I, I can't eat anything or I'll be sick. But I think if you, like you said there, you can combine some of these products because they're manufactured to support uh, absorption and, and rehydration quite quickly with some some real food like uh, just fruits or dried fruits or things like that. And then you, you marry up the, the fueling and the rec- recovery with obviously the health because we, we know there's some research in if you are using some of these fruits and things with you know some of these plant compounds and things in them it it may be quite supportive we don't know enough of that yet but i think there's more there's more coming out in the sports and exercise nutrition literature around polyphenols and and all these kind of things from real foods so um yeah i think the take home message there is you you started obviously with some of the basics but then realized on maybe a squad level not everyone's going to do a food diary so then you had to actually go and have individual conversations with some of the players and obviously go to them at the source and then build relationships from there and then some of the other useful tools like you said a bit of body fat testing for certain athletes because obviously you work with a a range you know some the 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 physique is is quite important and obviously it's not just measuring body fat is it is sometimes thinking about uh muscle mass loss or gain throughout the season um i don't think that's discussed either is it because when when you pull the calipers out you know a lot of people might be thinking oh god here we go you know, he's going to give me a bashing for, for changes in body fat percentage. But also as a practitioner, you're, you're looking at the, you know, you're looking at the lean mass level too, because obviously the, the training in, impacts that certain time in the season, um, immunity, you know, which goes without saying. Um, so I think that, you know, there, there's, there's a few strands to the, to the, to the calipers and the, and the, and, and the way the kind of ISAC course uh, trains you to, to take those measurements, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, completely agree on everything you've said. Um, so, going back to like the functional food um, side of it, that's becoming bigger and bigger in the sports nutrition, and it's quite relevant to today where athletes can spend more time in the kitchen, and we can create new um, foods and snack ideas that they can use before, during, after training, um, and include those quality nutritional foods are those added elements to aid energy support um and then yeah going back to the, the body composition analysis yeah it's, you can measure body fat but there's much more to it um like tracking across the season and um risk of injury as well making sure you're making the they're in a good physical condition as every athlete wants to look good but that can potentially have a negative effect if they are um well, particularly not carrying enough muscle mass and how that might have changed if they're trying to lose body fat. So it's, and it's educating the athlete with that. So it's using that as a tool to educate the athlete why that's good, right, wrong, um, and what applies to them and their positioning and sport and overall goal. Um, yeah, I think... Um, lost what the last point was <laughs> no it's great mate no you're exactly right and I think you know you're an experienced practitioner so you're obviously not you're obviously not going to go into this un, un, unless I ask you but the the expenditure of of the individuals you're working with it's it's a moving goalpost isn't it at all times you've got with some your endurance side they're turning over so many calories 
Um, so that's obviously tough to help them meet energy needs, but then support their their fuel utilization and their recovery and things too. And then you've got some others that, um, you know, their their sports and things may be power or strength based. So a lot of the time it's it's them managing, you know, their daily activity and and you educating them more naturally what their movements like between training sessions and how much they should be um ingesting and things like that as well so um yeah it's interesting i know we're going to get onto the health and and um, body composition side and your plan and things with the everyday athlete and people just looking to feel better and look better um but it's it's just good to have these open conversations and and i think when we're working with, with clients it's you know it's the, it's the main thing to discuss with them it's like right look we're, we're going to come up with some recommendations around overall intake and types of foods and timings but you know the the goalposts will will move because you know your metabolism will change depending on your activity how much you're consuming um you know the the changes in muscle throughout the season and things like that and it's and it's um you know it's why people like yourself work with with these athletes and everyday individuals over time because you can start to get to know the person the behavior the changes in their body over half a year to a year um so um yeah how, you know how how many of your of your clients um you know have you ended up working with for for quite a long time i think that's important to bring up because when you when you tell someone are oh, you nutritionist and and um it's you know it's it's quite an interesting kind of career to talk to to someone about but for a, for a few people you know you you end up kind of being a big part of their lives for quite a long time don't you so is there anyone you you've started with or any teams that you started with and then obviously you you've continued the working relationship over, you know, some months and some years? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, and it does vary across what the, the needs of the athlete are as well. Um, so, like, when I worked with Chester, I was there for five years. Um, and players with, well, with any team sport, they come and go, but I still maintain relationships with... Um, a good number of them um, and it yeah you do become friends ultimately building those relationships which is which is brilliant mm. uh, some of them who have retired um, I think like four pretty much until the end that I was there and they still now uh, come and ask me questions um, we still have chats on the phone um, and yeah and it's good to build up those relationships for for their long-term development because they know that what they're you know their interests and they're keen to continue to develop whether they're playing or not yeah um some other athletes i've worked with for short-term periods um it could be a one-off consultation um and they'll have other access to other nutritionists based on their environment and it's liaising with them when applicable definitely um yeah, others, it's with the... So I've just started working with... Well, been supporting Table Tennis England now since about January. Um, and so that's building great relationships with all those players and the staff and coaches. Um, and obviously with uh, the hiatus on everything, it's now working a lot closer with them, doing group... Um, cooking workshops, um, individual tailored planning, um, finding what they like to do, um, and yeah, building the relationship with them ultimately. 
Um, and there's, yeah, there's so many different ways of uh, going about that, and it's, yeah. It's good to get an insight, <laughs> mate. No, no, you're fine. I think that's that's that's, you know, that's a good kind of thing about these longer form conversations. Listeners can understand the ebb and flow of, you know, be being self-employed as a as a performance nutritionist and taking on teams, taking on individuals, and then you know going to some of the higher levels and w- working with a, you know, the table tennis team in England and things and that. You know, it sounds great because obviously we watch these things on TV and you know, they're in great shape and they're performing well and recovering and there's a lot of things behind the scenes, you know, getting in, stuck in cooking videos of some like yourself when we're all in lockdown and then in a few few months or next year they come out and perform and they've they've built their nutritional toolbox around obviously trusting you and listening to your kind of evidence based approach. So no mate, it's fantastic. It's exactly why I wanted to get you on basically. Um and look look to to kind of round things off, obviously we've been uh athlete focused and i've heard a bit about um you know you as a as a performance nutritionist and some of the tools you bring over in terms of your like health and and weight management you've got this this 12 week plan and and obviously you work with um general population and things too to better them uh physically you know mentally uh how how does that work in terms of uh you know the the way you the way you coach people do you kind of have touch points do you send over your your kind of recommendations and 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 recipe plans and things like that is a bit of a kind of all-encompassing approach or can people kind of come and come and go what's what's the ebb and flow with that program yeah so the 12 week plan is very much for the everyday athlete and those who like to stay fit and healthy but they've ultimately got a goal of either improving their body composition, so typically losing body fat and looking better, feeling more comfortable in their body. Um, and it's also very common with building a good relationship with their food. So I'd say eight out of 10 of the clients of, um, that I've helped on the plan, if you like, is they've always looked at a diet that will help them. Um, and it's obviously there's two different meanings to the word diet. It's something to help you lose weight ultimately, um, and it's a way of eating. So I like to look at it more of a nutritional lifestyle. So it's for everyone, it's finding what that that term of the word diet as a nutritional lifestyle which works for them. And that, again, is different for everyone. So it's take I, I provide um, each client with a tailored meal plan um, based across three days. So one will be a typical training day, one will be a rest day, and one will be a bit more of like a relaxed weekend day, as everyone has them. And obviously you hear the word cheat day, and that can be blown out of proportion, and that's where a lot of people can go wrong, is that can turn into a, a cheat weekend. Mm. Uh, and it's, ha- it's educating the individual on how they can make that as part of their lifestyle without undoing all the hard work that they that they work for yeah so typically they'll work they'll over restrict monday to friday they'll train really hard come friday night they'll have a drink that'll turn into a takeaway and then it'll blow up a portion from there mm. um it's a bit more of a weekend warrior approach mm. um so it's building those um healthy eating habits uh, that that work for them and eating the right kind of foods 
given them my um, experience in performance nutrition as as it's I like to think of it more as like a day to day performance. Yes. It's not just performance, it's their lifestyles, how they can eat to maintain their health, how they can optimize their body composition and how they can feel good energy wise. Yeah. Um, and that will improve performance. All all three of those elements will improve their performance. Um so how the plan works once they've got the, the plan then i check in with them every fortnight to see how they're getting on with troubleshoots uh, they track their body composition um using a form i've put together for them and uh, take the usual photographs um and and one thing actually that i tend to educate the person on um mostly is about their body weight and how that doesn't really matter as such um because they're so fixated on what the scales say that if they didn't use the body composition um analysis that i provide them with and they just relied on what the scales say they'd probably have given up after (laughs) four to six weeks because it's not changed as much as what they expect but then when you see the changes in their body composition, the measurements are going down um, in the right areas. They're training hard, particularly doing like strength work, as we know the importance of it. And their weight is not changing as much as, as, as they're expecting. So it's showing positive improvements in the body composition, which is only a good thing. Mm. Uh, and not to get so fixated on the scales as there's so many different factors that influence it typically hydration status um, hormone levels what you've eaten carbohydrates salt fiber um, total food volume Um, and again that's by being in a calorie deficit with the focus of losing weight it's making sure you're not overly hungry so it's how can you maximize your food volume to not uh, overeat but still feel satisfied with your with your meals and so it's putting all those together as one big jigsaw puzzle for the individual and giving them that regular support where they've then got the tools that they can take on for the rest of their lives wow mate fantastic insight i put you on a, on a bit of a spot i think at the end there with the with the plan but you um yeah it's it just shows that obviously you, you believe in your service and there isn't a one fit size all approach and I think what the listener can take away from that is again there's a lot of movement parts and and you can get a lot done in a few weeks around food environment changes activity levels and then you just review take the person um, as they are and then move forward with with certain small little changes so mate it's, it's so good to get some of your time it's um it's worked out really well for me actually this lockdown period being able to pin down some of some of you guys, um, you know, always following the recipes and, and everything that you're doing online and stuff, mate, and it's cool to, to get some time. So um, how can people stay in touch with you, mate? And, um, yeah, looking looking forward to kind of um, seeing seeing what's coming out on the uh, on the old food food Instagram soon. No, thanks for having me, mate. I really appreciate it. It's been great to chat as always. Um, but, yeah, for anyone who wants to see a little bit more about what I do, um then you can follow me on any of the uh, social media platforms at Weber Nutrition. Um, so it's the same across Insta, Facebook and Twitter. Um, 
I try to put up new recipes as often as I can. Um, as as you said, <laughs> I try to vary it up as much as possible. Um, I do a lot of work with Nutrition X as well, um, sport informed sport supplement company. So they they put out new recipes, cool. uh, blog posts, things like that. So they're another good one to follow. Um, as yeah, just following on from the twelve week plan, it's like you say, it's not just for weight loss; it's for for any health related goal. So I I do get clients who are just looking who end up at the twelve weeks the same weight, but they've built massive improvements in their um, in their nutrition habits and their relationship with food. Yeah. So it's just weight loss. Um, others who look to increase muscle mass, it's it's perfectly relevant for them as well. It's their overall long-term goal. Um, yeah, so I try to do a bit more on Facebook now. Um, cool. So I've just introduced a, a Facebook group, also a private Facebook group for everyone. As it's creating more of that community hub. Um, so again, if that's anything people are interested in, then just drop me a message and I can explain more. Cool. Um, awesome, mate. Yeah, loads of tools. You're very giving in terms of obviously the, the recipes and, and the coaching and stuff. And it's so good. People can dive on some of these private groups and, you know, take information and, and learn and, and grow new habits and stuff. So now it's awesome to get to get some of your time. And I think people have hopefully get a lot out of that, especially some of the conversations around hydration and sweat. It's not something I touched on before. So, yeah, as always, lovely people. Um, if you like the show, please share it with someone. Everything you'll need will be in the show notes. Um, stay connected with Danny and uh, yeah, have a great week.